Welcome to Leviton Contractor Connect. The content of this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. The opinions expressed by the guests do not necessarily represent the views or opinion of Leviton. Leviton does not make any representations or warranties with respect to the accuracy or applicability of the information. Hi, welcome back to Leviton's Contractor Connect podcast series. My name is Tom Degden and I'm the Contractor Channel Manager at Leviton Manufacturing. It's my pleasure to welcome Vince Lenegro to the podcast, and we're here to talk about addressing legal challenges for contractors. We will cover much ground in a short time, but our focus today will be on strategies on limiting liability. In our last podcast, we examined the process of placing liens. Look for that podcast archived at leviton.com slash contractor connect podcasts. But before I begin, I want to add a legal disclaimer of our own. The discussion and information provided in this podcast are for informational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing legal advice. No attorney-client relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. Vince is Associate General Counsel at Leviton, where he has represented Leviton on many legal issues and cases over the past 16 years. Prior to that, Vince represented Leviton with an outside law firm for seven years. Vince's primary responsibilities include defending the company against product liability claims and lawsuits, employment-slash-labor claims, and commercial disputes, contract review, corporate governance, compliance, and more. Prior to Leviton, Vince worked for Owens Corporation, and Vince is a graduate of Fordham Law School. So welcome, Vince. Thanks, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay, liability is a broad topic, and it's clear we have become a very litigious society. I mean, ambulance-chasing lawyer commercials dominate daytime TV. It's to the point where they pretty much encourage people to seek out situations where they can sustain injury, all in the quest of quick money at someone else's expense. I don't see any quick solution for this, but is there anything contractors can do to protect themselves and their company? Um, There sure is, Tom. You make a good point about the ambulance-chasing lawyers, but, you know, keep in mind that without companies that take missteps and fail to limit their liability, there would be no need for ambulance chasing attorneys. So some of the things that are important are obviously safety training, um, ensuring that equipment that your employees use is safe, uh, and conducting background checks on employees. Very good. And and, uh, no uh, offense intended there, uh, Vince. (laughs) None taken. Uh, It seems inevitable that at some time, every firm will experience legal challenges. How should contractors structure their business to limit liability? The best way to limit personal liability is to set up an appropriate corporate entity. A corporation or a limited liability company will typically accomplish that. It'll shield you from most personal liability. But keep in mind that there are certain instances where um, it will not provide protection. One big example is when you lease a commercial space. The landlord's always going to want you to assume personal liability in case the rent doesn't get paid. Hmm. Interesting topic I've got to bring up now um, with relation to uh, marijuana. Another big area of liability concern facing contracting firms is that of marijuana use by personnel. Many states have legalized marijuana, and it seems uh, to have been normalized and accepted in, in society. However, what about the job? Contracting firms don't want to assume the liability of installers impaired by marijuana use. Any advice to these contracting firms, Vince? Yes, and and to your point, uh, marijuana legalization is spreading like a weed. 
<laughs> and the but it is still unlawful federally. So many states have legalized it either recreationally or for medicinal purposes, but it's still unlawful at the federal level, at least for now. So and it even in the states where it's legal, it's not uh, you're not allowed to be impaired um, by marijuana if you're at work. So you know it's and and you can still drug test and if somebody is, um, high at work. There are ways that by doing a uh, reasonable suspicion test or uh, post-accident, post-incident test, where you can detect if they were if they have drugs in their system, and you can take action in most states. But I'd be careful if you're in New York or Illinois, based on their state laws. Can contracting firms hold installers to a higher level of accountability? Uh, I mean, can they do drug testing and even terminate an installer for drug or marijuana use? Yes, and it's not limited to, to contracting firms, right? If so, you can do the drug testing, such as you know, pre-employment when somebody applies for a job, random, post-incident, like if somebody's involved in an accident um, or reasonable suspicion. And if you have a policy, and everybody should, prohibiting drug use, not just marijuana, but drug use or alcohol use in the workplace, then you can terminate employees that violate that policy, even if there's a statute in the state that says, you know, the marijuana is legal um, recreationally. This is this is all interesting, and I, I'm going to just build on this one one last question for you. Can contracting firms have installers sign a contract or some sort of document where they attest to not using on the job, and if they get hurt, uh, they will be tested and and if impaired, waive their right to sue the employer, you, the contracting firm, I mean, they, can they hold you, can you limit them in that way? I think a better option is to implement um, a drug policy, right, and mm -hmm. distribute it to your employees. And a post-incident, post-accident drug policy is very important. So if somebody's operating a, a forklift in a factory, a piece of heavy equipment on a construction site, and they, you know, run over their coworker. Well, your policy would enable you to test them, see if they're high uh, on drugs or drunk from use of alcohol, and you can take action depending on the test results. Signing a contract at the beginning um, won't accomplish any more than having that policy in Just place. Just a, a policy covering everybody. Yep. Terrific. All right, let's switch gears. Off of marijuana, onto onto bigger and better things here. How much oversight can employers have over installers? And uh, a recent, I recently read a news article where an installer used a company vehicle to go on a job interview with a competitor. Uh, his current employer had tracking equipment on his service truck. He went to the to, on an interview using a service truck, right? So again, the tracking equipment, you know, the the his current employer saw where he went. And says, wait a minute, what is he doing over there at the? So anyway, long story short, he fired the uh, employee. Uh, and I know that case is working its way through legal challenges right now. But in your opinion, is this okay? And where does it cross the line? I mean, uh, this case was extreme, but I can think of things like tracking speed, driving habits on service vehicles. Uh, anything along those lines that you recommend uh, to, to limit your liability? Yes. And, and that uh, that's an interesting case. And I'd, I'd love to read about it if you could send it to me. I hadn't heard about that one. But using technology to monitor employees and limit liability is important, right? There's... Um, cameras that record uh, activity on production lines. Unless the employee is in a place where they have an expectation of privacy, you are allowed to take certain reasonable steps to measure their uh, performance. Um, I always recommend, however, to 
again, have a policy in place and be transparent about what you're doing so it doesn't come as a surprise when, lo and behold, you find out that the employee finds out that they're being terminated because you captured them on video or some other, by other, some other means. Speeding or whatever. Yep. All right, let's, let's switch gears again. And this is a, a timely or an important thing that we read about in the news all the time, sexual harassment. Uh, does this apply to contracting firms? And if so, what can they do to limit liability against a lawsuit about sexual harassment? Um, sexual harassment claims can affect contractors or any employer or person. And the best thing that an employee can do, employer can do, is to provide harassment training to their employees. And in certain states, there is a minimum requirement, um, and, and you have to do, for instance, in New York, every year. Every employee, if you're of a certain size, if the employer is of a certain size, every employee must be trained every year. Where there's no such law, I recommend um, no less frequent than every two years. Mm. That's that's good advice. Okay. You know, I, I, being in my position, I work with contractors all the time, so I kind of get to know their, their pain points and, and one of them being smartphones by employees, right? Uh, I, so, seems the young, I don't want to call out younger generation, but it's, you know, I think they're, they, they grew up, they're born of the, the, the phone, right? They're, go, they're born with technology. Uh, and a lot of the general contractors or, or uh, electrical contracting, the owners, find that they're constantly distracted uh, using the phone. They're always looking at the phone. And to the point where it's affecting productivity and safety. Is there anything they can do to address this or any thoughts on, on that? Yes, I, I, I think it's imperative to have reasonable restrictions on cell phone use for, for certain jobs, and especially if somebody's driving or operating you know, equipment at a construction site. And, and again, it's, it, the reason, the importance of having the policy is twofold. First off, it provides the employee with what your expectations are. And so if they read it and see it and understand that violating this policy can lead to repercussions for them, well, then it has a deterrent effect. And the second thing is it puts you in a better position if there is an incident and you have to take um, some adverse employment action against the employee for violating that policy. So reasonable restrictions are important. You don't want to get too strict or you'll never hire anybody under 40. <laughs> good good point because they can't help themselves at times. You know what I mean? You have to give them some sort of phone break maybe or whatever mm-hmm. whatever it is. Okay. <laughs> we used to have smoke breaks. Now we have phone breaks. <laughs> Okay, let's touch on social media and the internet. Uh, Last year, uh, Disney's CEO took a political position and he immediately alienated half of his customers. I don't know why anybody would take, (laughs) in business, would take a political position because there's half the world, uh, the country, that doesn't like that position, right? In business, I always say stay neutral. Everybody's money's green, right? But uh, anyway, this Disney CEO, he took a political position. He alienated half of his customer, drove his stock price down uh, as a direct result. And then... The state of Florida became irritated and assumed some of the control over Disney. So needless to say, that CEO, will go uh, nameless, lost his job. Any advice you could give contractors in this area with regard to social media? Yes, and social media is a very interesting topic. And although I did promise my girlfriend I wouldn't bash Disney today, but <laughs> I will give you uh, some, some thoughts on, on the situation. Uh, the proliferation of social media has happened so quickly and to such a, a significant extent that 
it's really imperative to have policies, social media usage policies that are designed to protect your brand. You don't want your employees out on social media making uh, a bad impression about both themselves and more importantly of, of your company because they are brand ambassadors. The one thing that keeps recurring in our conversation here is policies, right? Yes. I mean, hopefully this podcast is going to serve to identify where the policies are necessary, but it seems like that's one, uh, one again, a recurring uh, theme here for today. It is. Policies and documentation are really important because oftentimes if you get into a, a litigious situation, the lawsuit comes years after the incident, right? There's statutes of limitations. We right. talked a little mm-hmm. bit about it with liens, and for, for, for depending on, on the claim, it could be... Um, many years, could be three, four, five years or longer that the person has to file a lawsuit. Good luck remembering mm. what occurred three years ago. Good point. It's great when you can actually have documentation of, of the incident. And, and it's, impo- it's important, but it's something that people often overlook. Any last words of advice uh, or thoughts for the audience, Vince? Just stay safe. All right. Well, this concludes today's podcast and part two of our conversation with Vince Lenegro. We invite you to check out part one of our conversation with Vince, where we cover liens. We also invite you to check out our other contractor-focused podcast at leviton.com slash contractorconnectpodcasts. I would like to thank Vince for joining us. Thanks for having me, Tom. I appreciate it. And thanks to our audience for logging in. So goodbye for now.